This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. It's Well, at least one of us is back. <laughs> Welcome back to the church, boys. Oh, oh, what's that cackling I hear in the background? Is that? It's me. Could, could it? that, I'm here to get those what? What's wrong oh, with oh, you? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm rubbing my essential oils all over my arms. Is that your... While I talk to you. <laughs> is that your Sarah Rivette impersonation? Me, Sarah. <laughs> I've got lemon. And hemlock. Hemlock. <laughs> hemlock. I'm drinking a peppermint tea. <laughs> Wait, a, hemlock. I think hemlock's extremely deadly. No, no, not if I put it in my infuser. <laughs> if you infuse it first, then you can consume as much hemlock as you want. What's wrong it's with you? Sarah Rivet. Sarah, I don't think. Um, I don't think that you you've got honest brokers over there at whatever essential oils nut job place you're working with. Yes, <laughs> because... I even have an essential oil to change my voice and accent. Yes, why do you suddenly sound Austrian? <laughs> it's me, Sarah Rabat. Okay, in case you couldn't tell. Billy's out again today, <laughs> and Sarah's guest hosting. Um, actually, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I w- would like to let you know that um, <coughs> Billy Hallowell is Billy Hallowell is back, and he's uh, he's here to amuse you. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell, Billy Hallowell is back. I think you've been out last week. I would not have been out last week had we not had the baby at the end of the week last week. But we did. I mean, I shouldn't say we. My wife had the baby. I was there for it. Well, and still, and, and I'm assuming that you heard the show from last week. Uh, yes. Okay, so is have you have you found a way yet to uh, prove, your, prove that you're the father? <laughs> Well, you know, it says it on the birth certificate. We haven't had any DNA testing uh, done. So as but... far as the legal paperwork goes, you're the father. Yes. Like an adoption. <laughs> you're awful. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, I was very, and, and I know we wanted to talk about my impending paternity leave, uh, or my continued, rather, paternity leave. Right. We, we can talk about that after. I wanted to say that I thought Sarah Rivette did a wonderful, wonderful job. And she's never, I mean, Sarah has always been a brilliant media mind, but never loved well, being on not, air. Wait, wait, so it was really not, fun to listen. Go cra- let's not go crazy. Brilliant listen, I'm trying, media I'm mind. I'm trying to shower praise upon Sarah. I thought she did great. Okay, let's, um, we'll give her that. <laughs> okay. I love that you were probably horrified. All I kept thinking during the... Um, what should you never say on the radio segment was oh. Sarah is horrifying Chris by letting him know just how messed up she is. Her her mind oh, it works. Was, it's, it's it's quite embarrassing, actually. She's um <laughs> boy, it's um boy, if you're not ready for it, 
having any sort of interaction with Sarah at all for the last more than about 17 seconds is life changing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to prank Sarah Rivette today, I think. Okay, We're gonna we'll try do that. should we do that now or you want to do that like in the next break? Let's do it after because I feel like it'll be a good break after we okay. talk about the things that are outraging us. Okay. So Okay, so let's um uh we'll we'll set that aside. We will prank Sarah when we when we come back from the in the next break. And um but uh so let's talk about your uh your sissy boy paternity leave that you took this week. How did how'd that go? <laughs> well, I'm at the tail end of it. I I we had the baby April 5th. Uh, so it was, it's, uh, it'll be almost two weeks by the time I go back a little shy of, of two weeks. And I have to say, and I'm going to, I said this before, and I think even, even our former front page editor, John Seidel agreed. I think that I, I would not judge anybody who chose not to take a week or two off. I would not because it's everybody's choice, but I would say it was the best decision I ever made. I'm sorry. I was finding some <laughs> appropriate music to have in the background here. Now, you say it's the best decision that you ever made. I did. Yeah, one of them. So, absolutely. so right. You married the like it ranks above marrying Andrea. It ranks above. It ranks third. above having children. <laughs> uh, it ranks above. I don't know if you know if this man named Jesus. It ranks above uh, having chosen to <laughs> know him. It's really quite astonishing how great you think this paternity leave thing is. All right, fine. It's on the tail end of a top five. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me. So, okay, okay in all serious, oh, semi-seriousness, and I gave you a hard time about being on paternity. I'll leave all the time. And and and. Well, can we just let's call it what it is? It's actually not really paternity leave all because right. that doesn't exist. <laughs> Which um, is it's fine it's with called me. vacation leave, right, right? For a paternal purpose. It's so called what, depleting your vacation time leave. So do you have anything that you learned being on paternity leave? You know, I do. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to sound and you can make fun of me. Okay, well, I do think, I mean, I've worked, I have worked pretty incessantly since I was like 14 years old. Okay. I think most, I think you probably have too. And I do take time off. I used to not the last couple of years, the last two years I've started taking Time around Christmas only because it's the only time I can sure. see my family. They, right. they don't. I don't live near my family, um, and I've started taking another week at some point to go and be with my family. And I've really tried to unplug during that week. And when I say unplug, I don't mean I'm going totally off my phone, totally off my computer. I'm unplugging from what I have to do forty to ninety hours a week, um, which is writing. I if I want to be on Twitter or Facebook on my own, that's fine. Anyway, I would take that week. I think. With with this, a lot of times all of us are very busy and we don't we love to work. We don't want to stop working. Right. But you know, to me, and, it's like and to be when we, and, and to be fair to us, it's not. There's a difference between being a workaholic and being somebody like us who's like I've got responsibilities and I really like my job. I enjoy it. I'm not a workaholic. Right. I can set it aside if I need to, but I enjoy my job. I like doing this. What we're doing. I like doing the stuff on the blaze, doing the magazine, doing all the other stuff. You know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And so I, but I started feeling like, you know what, I, it's going to be harder, um, on my wife this time. Cause we had a, we have a, a kid who's going to be three on, on Monday. Right. Um, and it's going to be harder on her. And, and it was, there were some challenges. Everything went fine with the delivery, but she wasn't feeling the best after. So it was good. But I, so I was thinking about that beforehand, but I was also thinking, you know, like when I die, if I'm on my deathbed and I know this is very dramatic, but, and I'm thinking through the things that really mattered, 
to me, it's like, you know what? Having that time for a week or two to get to know your kid and to help out and to be there, to me, that's something that really would matter more than, oh, did I work an extra week or two writing articles that nobody cares about anymore because it was 30 years ago? Right. So as much as I love my I just I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I really do feel like I was able to accomplish some other things that I just never have time to do. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm happy I did it. So is there... Are there any specific things you could say that you learned? I mean, you're happy that you did it, and that's. But what what do you take from the experience other than you're happy that you did it? Well, that I do like to work. So like, <laughs> so like maybe when you not. have the time off, I what mean, I learned, what I like, okay, well, I'm bored. Right. What I what I learned is that um, paternity leave. I won't take the next time. <laughs> I learned I that paternity leave is a bad idea. I think a week to two weeks is perfect. I think taking any more than that for me would have been absurd. Right. I think two weeks, like if, if a company, I really do believe this. I believe every company in this country would be smart. Not that they should be mandated to do it, but would be smart to give a week or two weeks. Because look, we talk about loving families, especially conservatives. Yeah. We love yeah. families so much. Families are so great. Well, you know, it's good to allow people to spend a little bit of time with their new family members. So okay, well then, take, do, then, then encourage them to do what you did, and that's take your vacation time and go do that. I mean, you've got time to plan. You've got nine months to plan. You can save up your vacation time. I and look, and that's fine. I don't. And well, now because you're putting me in a position to critique my current arrangement, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you should have to take vacation time, but. I was fine doing it because I had more than enough. And I'm very fortunate to have had the time right. to to do it. I'm very I'm not criticizing anything. I'm very fortunate to have had that time. I, I think it's nice to give a week or two off for that purpose. Do I think you're a bad person if you don't give it? No. Do I think? No, nothing like that. And, you know, if I'm fired after this broadcast, you'll know why. <laughs> and do. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I you know, whatever. I was going to criticize you for taking the time off and and. And, and I have, uh, but mostly just to give you a hard time, give you a hard time. I, I, um, I, I told you I wasn't going to say this online, but I, I was, I was proud of you in a lot of the things that you said while you're on paternity leave. And I thought it was good. And if you wanted to, if somebody wants to take time off to be around the baby when they first have the baby, that's, that's fine. That's, that's their thing. That's not what, you know, my wife and I chose to do with, with my work and things. Um, I'm not a fan of the paternity leave, paternity leave movement. I'm all for if you want to take vacation time, but but I, I and I gave you a time a hard time online about being a sissy boy, and I think that there's <laughs> there's a part of me there's a part of me that does believe that not to the extent that you're a sissy boy for doing it, but there's a part of me that I, and you have to understand you know where I grew up and where I live oh, now, totally. right? Okay, so it's very much farmers and you know my one of my classmates growing up was the tenth of ten children, and he was born during harvest. And so somebody uh, radioed to his dad, who was out on the combine, uh, when his wife was going into labor with their 10th son, my friend who I went to school with, and said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, uh, your wife's in labor and is ready to have the baby. He says, well, take her on into the hospital in town. She knows what to do. I mean, that's kind of the attitude that we grew up with, right? That's So there's a part of me that says, you don't need to take time. It's You go, you have the baby, you get your S together, and you move on, right? So... So when I criticize you for being soft, there's there's a part of me that's that's it's a criticism not of you but of of our entire wussification of the American male feeling that I have. And but I, I but, think but that at the same time, there's there is definitely something honorable about taking the time off to be with the with the baby. I get that. I understand it. I just it. feel like we we talk all talk, and this isn't about you or anything. And 
I'm not criticizing. I want to. Put, I'm not criticizing the Blaze. I am fortunate enough to have had the time to take. And sure. look, I don't think a company should be forced to do it at all. And in fact, I don't think it's ever really been an issue that's probably been raised, which is why it hasn't. There isn't paternity leave. You know, I just feel like we live in a society that has changed. You know, not where you are. I think we're. I don't know anybody who doesn't have both both people working. Um, you know, luckily in our in our arrangement, my wife's a teacher, so she's home for a part of the summer. Right. Um, but I do think when you are, if you're going to be pro family, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Like, let's spend time with that new family member. Let's get to know them. Let's right. Let's which is not, what the mom, which is what the mommy's doing when she's on maternity leave. Do I see? But, I support. But I, think, I support you know maternity families. Conservatives support, love to talk about how bad the inner city is and how bad maternity. all these other places are because there's no father. Well, let the father get to know I, the kids and, too. And and I don't disagree with that, but. Because there, I, I support matern- both sides I su- of our mouth I as support maternity. I support maternity leave totally. I'm I'm just, uh, and I can understand and agree with parts of the argument for paternity leave, but there's a part of me that says we are we are Americans who work hard. We're not sissies. The dad is the the breadwinner. The dad goes out and slays the dragon, or he you know kills the food and drags it back to the cave, and you know you stay in cave. I go kill food. I mean that's part of. Like it or not, that's part of my Cro-Magnon mentality. Okay, that's just that's no. Part of look, who, that's I, so. There's a part of me that says, and the traditional values thing is like you know the the Leave It to Beaver idea. I love the Leave It to Beaver idea. Is that realistic in today's day and age? For I think it could be more realistic than it is. But is it real as realistic now as it was then? No, certainly not. But I think it could be more realistic. But I I just like the idea of. Mom's at home with the baby. And, and I think that men should have the time to connect with their children. I don't think you should be distant like, you know, sometimes Ward Claver might have seemed. But I, I and, and you know this about me and my family. You can't say that I am not involved in my kids' lives. No, you're very right? involved. And That's why I would never say. And, yeah. and, and, I know, and I know we're not criticizing each other other than in, in fun. Right. But totally. the reason that I do it the way that I have done it and my wife and I have done it and she has agreed with it. Is because we're both old school. We're both, you know, if I'm, if I, if my wife's pregnant and in the middle and is in the middle of working, just just go ahead and deliver right there wherever it is she's standing, kind of deal, right? <laughs> and then call me later. Now we we scheduled our our births, and all of our kids were born on either the first two were born on a Friday. We planned it that way, so I worked from the hospital room on a Friday, and the, and the third one was born on the Saturday, which we also scheduled. And so <clears throat> we were able to work it out, and I never had to take time off for it because. It's just the way it has worked for us. And I know that it doesn't work for everybody that way. But I, I, I do think, understand the point about keeping fathers involved. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. And I can support that for that angle. And I totally support. If you plan it out and that's what you want, I totally support. I think that we do sometimes, you're going to like, and this is not against you. I'm going to say this in general. I think we sometimes <laughs> Make it adopt, against me. Please make it against me. <laughs> I think we sometimes adopt an American hyper-capitalistic this is what we have to do at all costs all the time because we're hard workers yeah. and we should always be hard workers right. mentality over sometimes thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe I don't want to take the time off. Maybe it's what, maybe, maybe it's not something that is in my genes or my DNA to want to do in my genes, right. my DNA to want to do, but I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do right. it because I just feel like sometimes we like, who cares if, if we're, who cares whether we took that week off or not. Right. Right. Um, but I don't like the moves, the paternity movements of saying we have to force somebody to do right. this. We have to force a company because totally. I think then I just think it's the right thing to do. It's a yeah. nice extra benefit to add. And also I would add, 
you know, I mean, I think women should definitely have generous uh, time off. And, yeah. and, you know, I think companies should definitely grant that and, and give that. I think they should be given much more time than men. When I talk about, quote unquote, paternity leave, I'm talking about, you know, five to ten days. That yeah. That's sort of what I think is. Yeah. And again, you know, mo- a lot of women ha- end up with medical issues and things like that, and they need the help. Right. right. So. So I guess I guess a part of my issue is. Hmm. Is. um. So my wife and I aren't having more children, but so if we implement a, and again, I'm not into fairness. It's totally not my game and you understand that, but how do you institute a paternity leave program? Listen, it's different for, for women because women are the ones who get pregnant. Okay. So we, we can, we can all agree maternity leave is good because they have to heal. They have to spend some time getting better because they just went through a very physically traumatic experience. But for the males, for, for men, how do you set up a paternity leave system for someone like um, someone like me who's not having more kids? Or well, I guess we could have more kids, but we're not planning to. Or someone who's unmarried or someone who is, you know, someone who is, uh, as we've always said about you, but apparently it's not true, someone who's impotent. Uh, <laughs> um, allegedly, it's allegedly not true that you're impotent. Uh <laughs> But how do we handle that? I mean, so, okay, so they get five to 10 days of paternity leave. So, so what about those of us who can't have kids or don't have kids or won't have kids? Do we not get the extra two weeks of vacation? Well, you know, it's like a retirement match. The people who don't put money into the retirement match, they don't get, they don't get a match. Right. Um, I guess to me, it's like any other benefit. Um, you know, the fact is the majority of people will probably at some point, um, seek to become a parent. And yeah. if you don't, that's fine. Yeah. But if you do, I think, you know, it's like anything else. It's a benefit that's there. And that's a choice that it's either a choice that you make, or sometimes there are, like you said, are, are times where it's not a choice and you just can't. But I think that's sort of part, it's sort of splitting hairs and getting into it. To me, at the end of the day, it's a nice benefit to have. Should you have yeah. to do it? No, I think it's great. But if look, if you don't have it, you take your vacation time and you call it a today and that's what i did and i was happy to do it right um, see that's and that's where it works when you talk about paternity leave it works for me for you to discuss it because you're willing to you're willing to stand up for the things that you believe like you'll put your money where your mouth is don't tell me like we should have paternity leave it's important for fathers to get you know time off to go spend with their kids you should we should be giving paternity leave we should be giving if you'd been advocating that all along and then you didn't take any time off when you had the baby, then I'd go, Billy, then don't call for me to, you know, for, for the rest of your fellow employees to subsidize something that you're not willing to give up as far as vacation time. Right. Right. The system no, doesn't... and I think that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I think too, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm going to, it's like my, I'm not just saying this. I don't think I would ever get in trouble for sharing my mind. Anyway, I'm not critic. I think the blaze is very generous with benefits. And again, yeah. we're able to have the days to take when we need to. I, you know, I don't think I would have in any world, unless there was some horrible medical issue, had taken more than 10 days off. Um, I think that that's more than sufficient. I don't, you know, I don't think you need, you know, a month off for quote unquote paternity leave. And I I almost jokingly call it paternity leave. It was just time that was taken. It was like a staycation, basically. We were in the hospital for two and a half days and then we came home and. Um, and it was great. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat and I would encourage anybody else to save their vacation time and do it yeah. because it's great. If it's, it's something, wonderful. if it's, if it's something you believe in and your company doesn't offer it, then save up your vacation time to do it. Right. Because and, otherwise you're and being dishonest. urge your company to offer it. Well, 
Don't, but not, <laughs> but not annoyingly so. <laughs> I'm totally joking. I love throwing things out there to make you hate life. <laughs> so there are a few things that I learned while you were on paternity leave. In fact, where's, where's the? In fact, there are more than a few because I'm gonna go through the, the list that somebody else wrote. If I can find it here, here we go. Okay, <laughs> I love this. Where's here? It? You go. You love. You love it. You you're trying to set me off. All right. So our friend, former acting managing editor. Wait, what was his title? <laughs> former acting managing editor. Former acting managing editor. John Seidel, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago as he was taken off, and he, now he's over at, um, you know, I am 75th or something. <laughs> he's dead to us, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm 11 <laughs> But he wrote a list. He says, what I've learned about Billy Hallowell while he's been on paternity leave. And I thought this was a great list. Number one, <laughs> he's not afraid to use his new daughter for shameless self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Two, he still complains a lot. Well, are you a complainer, Billy? Well, here's, I had campaigned in high school to win senior year to win funniest because I apparently, I thought I was so funny at the time. Um, and I was like, not nearly as funny as John Seidel, obviously. Wait, because this is pathetic. I was trading votes with people trying to get it and I won. I won funniest, but I didn't campaign for anything else. I won two other titles with that. One was most superstitious Mm -hmm. and the other was worst complainer. There you go. So he's not afraid to use his new daughter for selfless shame promotion, which, by the way, if you checked out his his Twitter feed or his Facebook page, totally true. Still complains a lot. He talks so much about unplugging and being with his family during his two weeks off, and yet, he conti- and yet he continues to tweet incessantly. <laughs> but I never said I would I, unplug. This and you immediately, thing. as soon as that went up, you're like, I never said I'm going to unplug. I'm not going to, I never said I'm going to unplug. I haven't touched the keyboard. I never <laughs> said I'd unplug. Except what for the I 16, said was, six I would, except for the other computers I have in my house. I haven't touched a keyboard. I had not been on my Mac. That is true. But, but here's the deal. I, and also the self-promotion thing, maybe, although, you know, I'm, <laughs> what do you here's mean, the maybe? deal. What, if wait, what had do you mean, maybe? Wait, if anybody had access to John Seidel's Facebook page, they'd be subjected to oh, pictures yeah. of him shirtless oh, holding his baby. It's embarrassing. He And he has, for some reason, he has an outline of the state of Wisconsin t- tattooed on his man boob. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but what, what are the last two? Read the last two. <laughs> so, well, there only see four on here. Was there oh, five? oh I, thought he, I thought it was five. I thought oh, it was two, but there's only four showing up here. Uh, and then, let's see. Let me see if, if it expands here. Maybe I'm missing something. No, I might be wrong. No, it's just the four. All right, so uh, and then I loved. Hey, you did react immediately when you put that up there. I didn't say I was gonna unplug. I was gonna unplug. <laughs> you big whiner. Uh, totally. Number four, he wrote a Facebook page. He wrote a Facebook post justifying taking two weeks off that should have been titled <laughs> "Dear Billy." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was uh, wonderful. Yeah. So I learned a couple things too while you were gone. You want to know what they were? Yes. Tell me. Okay. So first of all, you're soft, which I already knew, but it confirmed it. <laughs> uh, that the the blaze doesn't need you because we were doing like huge numbers. Yeah. In the how last are the week, numbers? In the last in the last week, I mean, we were hitting numbers that we hadn't hit in a while. <laughs> all while you were gone. Don't don't think that that coincidence was missed by anyone. And the other one was that <clears throat> when you have a guest host, um, you need to warn them beforehand that they can't say words like 
or 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 <laughs> well you know sarah oh. has about oh. as much class as one can get oh. so so i'm gonna have to go back and fix that in post just give myself more work i'm so oh. looking i was so looking forward to this week compared to last week should we do a break and then prank Sarah? Yes, let's do that. And then we'll talk Trump. I want to talk some Trump. But let's okay. uh, this we went longer on this, which which is fine. And so let's let's get back. We'll we'll prank call Sarah and then we'll talk some Trump. Okay? Okay. All right. Oh, let me get the <laughs> That's me ridiculing myself for not having the playback machine on the right uh stuff here. Okay, we'll be back in <laughs> such an idiot. We'll be back in just a minute. Back to the church boys. So we are back and we are um, getting ready to make a little phone call here in just a minute. Let me get my board together here, uh, Billy. Uh, where'd that effect go? Okay, here we go. So um, we're going to call Sarah Rivette, and Billy, set this up for us uh, so people understand what it is you're trying to do here. And so we're okay. going to see if it even works. We're going to see if it works because Sarah can be pretty cunning. Uh, but basically, Sarah's obsessed what did, with wait, wait, what did you What did you just call her? Cunning. Okay, go ahead. Um, she is obsessed with essential oils, and is the company that she absolutely loves. She buys everything from. And I'm, She's sure, like, and I'm sure it's a lovely company. Oh yeah, no, they actually make pretty interesting products. But do they sell any hemlock? <laughs> we are going to call and and basically pretend that this saleswoman named Sharice McClare is calling <laughs> uh, to confirm the order. This absurd five hundred and forty eight dollar <clears throat> order that Sarah <laughs> has allegedly made. Actually, we'll go with we'll go with Sarah Rivette because I bet you that's the name she goes she goes by. You think so? I think so. Um, just call her Sarah. Say hi, Sarah. This is, you know, and just do it with it. You don't have to. You don't have to. Good point, because the last name could give it away. Right. All right. So now she allegedly, according to Sharice, bought ten ten bottles of basil, six of cilantro, eight of cedar wood, six of fennel, eight bottles of wintergreen, and six multi packs of spa products. And that, that only came to $548? I know. It seems... Well, I don't know. This stuff is pretty expensive. I think we're going to go with 348 No, that because seems little... it, seems, it seems to me like that stuff's expensive that it would have been more than $548, that amount. Oh, really? Yeah, don't you think? Let's go with 548 Just do that. That's a good All number. All right. That's a good number. I didn't know you were such a connoisseur of uh, essential products. No, but my wife buys crap all the time, not just descent, not like essential oils, but crap, and so it adds up pretty quickly. See, women oh, yeah. have no well, ability to estimate time, distance, or amount, so... <laughs> So it's only a few dollars. It's only going to be a few dollars. That's a $500 bill, darling. Right. Yeah. It, it added up the 1,400 times you called QVC, honey. Um, okay. <laughs> now I'm shopping network. Uh, are we doing this now? So are you ready to dial? I'm ready. Okay. I will, I will give you the signal when it's time for you to dial, okay? All right.
and you've reached Sarah. Sorry, I missed your call. Leave me a message, and I'll call you back. At the tone, please record your message. Hold on, I have a message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, Sarah. This is Sharice McClare from products. I just had a message for you about an order that was placed, a $348 order that I'd love to discuss with you. Please give me a call back at 1-800- Okay. <laughs> okay. Want to try again? See if she'll pick up. Uh, Yeah, because I made that phone number up. Oh, you did? I'm an idiot. Yes, it's the wrong phone number. So <laughs> Of course. So now she's going to know. Well, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if let's, she'll know. All right, let's try again. Okay, let's try again. Here, I will point to you when it's time here. Oh, wait. I already started. That's going to sound really awkward. It lights up. Hello? Hi, may I please speak with Sarah? This is her. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? This is Sharice McClare products how you doing today i'm doing well how did you get my number uh i'm one of the product salesmen here saleswoman actually and uh was just calling because we noticed an order a 348 dollar invoice that came through and i just wanted to confirm the order before we processed it um i haven't made an i mean i'm, I'm a wellness advocate but i haven't made an order today at all uh, this order was placed yesterday. Uh, it is for 10 uh, bottles of basil, 6 bottles of cilantro, 8 bottles of cedarwood, uh, some fennel, and 6 multi-packs of our spa products. You didn't place that order? No, that was not me. Um, it's pending on your account as we speak, but we we weren't sure if it was you, so we thought we maybe we would call. Um, but we really need to get confirmation from you because that will process by end of business day today at 5 p.m. Yeah, no, it, it was not made by me. Was it made through my, my wellness number and my account? Uh, I believe so. I don't have access to that at the moment. I can look it up for you. Um, I, I don't know at this point if we're going to be able to cancel the order, though. It's shipping to... Let's see, I can give you the shipping address. It's 158 Marquise Avenue in Phoenix, Arizona. Is that your address? No, that's not me at all. Um, are you sure? I'm positive. I live, I do not live in Arizona. I've never been to Arizona. I don't know. It's, it says that that's the address it's shipping to. I'm not sure what to do. What, what, do, what wellness account number do you have on it? Uh, let's see. It's 157643. That's not me either. I think that you have the wrong phone number. I think that you probably, I think that, that something got mixed up because that's not my wellness advocate number and that's not my address. So. But it says Sarah here. That's your name, correct? Yes. But every, Mother, all the other information that you have is incorrect. You have one child, and I see you're also registered to come to our convention in Utah later this year. That's correct? Yeah, I'm registered for that. I don't know how you guys know that I have a kid, but... Your daughter's name is... Yes, how do you know that, though? It's part of your... It's, it's here in the record under the number I gave you. 
that's not my wellness advocate number, <laughs> and that's not my address. So I don't know. Wh- okay, I don't so know where the okay, okay, it's okay. Calm down. Stop yelling at me. Stop yelling. There's no, I'm, there's I'm, no need to be upset. We can, we can settle this and figure it out. Okay, I'm sorry. Are you I'm, eating? It sounds like you're eating. It sounds like you're eating. I'm taking a drink of water. Is that okay? Hello. I'm still here. I'm take, I, I took a drink of water. Now, so how do you, you want to pay for this today? Do you want to pay credit card or I have your credit card on file? Do you want me to charge the three forty eight? Do you want to be billed and invoiced like we usually do? This is not my order. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, so I'll I put did it not on your make credit card? that order. No, ma'am, that was not my order. I'm I'm not sure I understand. I did not make that order. The information you have is I did not make an order yesterday for $350. I have not made an order since my LRP. Okay, okay, okay. Please come, ma'am. Please calm down. I'm just doing my job. No, no, and I understand that, but you also probably should understand that it's odd to receive a phone call like this where you have all of my information and are trying to charge me $350. Gosh, I hope you're nicer to your daughter than I hope you're nicer to your daughter than you are to me right now because I really just feel attacked. You called me. I'm going to get off the phone with you now and I'm going to call customer service directly myself. Okay, okay, I have make no sure, idea who you make, are. Make sure when you, you call really make out sure of when line. You call that you give my my listen my my saleswoman number is 158347 and make sure you let them know that I did a really good job because bonuses are coming up and oh. I want to make sure that I do well and oh, no. I just appreciate Oh no, she t- she just hung up. She just hung up. You got to call her back before she calls. You have to call her back before she calls. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, all right. I had my, I had my mic muted, but I was going nuts. <laughs> oh! I should try to call her on my cell phone too. Oh my goodness, that was amazing. Hey, you reached Sarah. Sorry. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! So text her. At the tone, text her. Do something. Please record your message. When you have finished recording, <laughs> you may hang up her. or press one for more <laughs> I options. I can't handle this. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. I hang up. I okay. <laughs> so call or text or do something that will interrupt this phone call. She's <laughs> um, she absolutely, honestly, she would do really well on like boiling points okay, so, or something. Oh, what's what's the name of the company? She's on she's on Slack right now. What's the name of the company? Oh my God, poor. They're about to get their. How do you spell it? Do not call. What's it called? Oh my God, it's going to voicemail. <laughs> um. I just wrote it. Just said. I said, do not. I right, said, <laughs> We're texting. No, just it's so so <laughs> You gotta call her back. I just slapped what? her. She wrote, I wrote, "Do not call." Her. And then I get a bunch of question marks. I said, "That was Billy." And she goes, "How'd you know I'm on?" She goes, and then she goes, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I gotta clear that up. So I gotta bleep that too. Um, we also need to bleep out a few other things. I'll let you know after that. I yeah, that some, I said some addresses, maybe or phone.
phone numbers? Um, names name. of children, names of children, and last names of her. Okay. So call her. And back. we're calling Sarah, just yeah. so everyone knows. Yeah, call her back. <laughs> I'm writing these down. Hey, you reached Sarah. Sorry. Why is this woman? <laughs> She's calling me. Hold on, I'm gonna put it on speakerphone. <laughs> Sarah. I hate you. I hate you. I hate. <laughs> we're record. Tell her we're recording. Let us. We are on the air right now. Let us. Let me call you through the studio line so that we can um, talk to you on the air about this conversation you had. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my god. When I said to her, "I hope you treat your daughter better than this," she almost lost. I it. know she did. I know she did. <laughs> I am so angry. Hi, Sarah. Right this is Sharice McClare. <laughs> How did you do that voice? It sounded weird to me, and I didn't was, know what to do. It you was got amazing. Angry and then I got all angry. It was awesome. <laughs> he was about to pass you to a supervisor. I texted him and said, send, him to a send her to a supervisor. Oh, yeah. Ringled Bell Johnson, the actor who played. Uh, <laughs> that's who it was going to be. Um, Sarah, you did I very well. You, you did so well. You actually. So, so now that so, thought, so before we go any was, before we go any further, is it okay with you if we air that because it was hysterical? That yes. that fake conversation. Okay. We'll bleep out, of course. We'll bleep out names and la I, I was gonna bleep out your last name too, of course, but because I wasn't sure if that was public. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Uh, yeah, just because it's um because everybody on the. Uh, Everybody on the blaze knows me as Rivette, so I'd appreciate it if you did that. No, absolutely. We're gonna and we'll bleep out um, <laughs> name too. Okay, now but, now, I gotta, now you just said it again. I just want to say things that make Chris have to bleep me out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sarah, oh, how and mad Sarah, are you on a scale from one to ten? Sarah, I had I had the I had I, I had my mic muted because I was going crazy. I couldn't stop laughing. It was amazing. Well, here's the thing, because we recently had our credit card information stolen, <laughs> so um, I was actually, like, super concerned that this was real, because we're still dealing with a little bit of a blowback from that, so um, that's why I was oh, like, wait a second, you called me, I have no idea who you are, <laughs> this, this is very absurd, and there was um, an email sent out from <laughs> probably, like, a week and a half ago about, like, phishing attempts and billing issues. And everybody knows. And everybody knows that you so, fall for phishing attempts. By the way. Oh, Chris, you also have to believe about do. the name of the company. Oh man. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So I mean, like, we we got an email from them warning us about um, billing issues and phishing attempts where people, like, you know, they they I think they had some kind of. Um, what do you call it? Uh, I don't think there was a, a breach or anything with their security, but. I think some information got out there and I just can't believe really like, did you have, like, did you have a script planned out? Oh yeah, it was totally. Executed perfectly. So, no, I mean, I didn't You're... have like, numbers and things like that. Like I didn't have your customer number, so I winged that, but I did, I did go to the website and make a product list of what you purchased in this. So I have like <laughs> at least a semi legit, I just had my name, a product list. And then I won. I was winging it from okay, there. Okay. So Billy, I have to, because, what? because you did, so I have to give you this here. <laughs> okay, that's that's for Billy. Sarah, I'm sorry, you... I can hear your heart racing. No, is this how you spent paternity leave planning pranks on your friends? Don't because you remember in college now... I prank everybody? 
I, I know, and I think that's why we now need to share the Thanksgiving story. We do. Okay, so we do okay. need to share. This would be a perfect segue. I think okay. we should save it for next week and really build it up. That's, we well, that's perfect. So we, when, do you want to save it for next? We'll do it next week. Yes, absolutely. Because we did we did tease the Thanksgiving story last week, and so we'll have to share it another time because we had no. It's so good, and we have to do it justice, Sarah. So we'll have to talk offline about how to do it justice without without getting sued by the person who's at the subject, the center of it. <laughs> but it's an amazing story. It is an amazing story, and as a teaser, I don't know is this the part that you're going to use for the show or not, but we can go with it. Um, the as a teaser, it involves a fake pregnancy test. <laughs> Wine. A set of knives and pie. And wine. A lot of wine. Oh, tons of wine. Probably oh, like my weight in wine. <laughs> oh, oh, I can't oh, wait to tell that story. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Well, we're going to let you go now, but I'm, I appreciate that you... Actually, I'm impressed. You would do well on Boiling Points or one of those shows where you get tested. You didn't lose it until I said, is this how you treat your daughter? <laughs> you called, you called wait, yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> that part freaked me out. Like, oh, you know, I have a daughter. And then I remembered that on my public website, like my public wellness advocate website, I have a picture of me and and there's information about why I started using oils because of her. So I'm like, oh, never mind. So, they would have that information. So maybe I need to lock my stuff up. <laughs> um, but Sarah, the only question I had for you leaving this, um, I, you know, being such an amazing talent and tricking you. Is what were you thinking when um, Charlize uh, McClaire said to you, here's my customer number, make sure you give me a good review? I threw the phone because I immediately got up when, you, when Mary called. I got up and immediately went to my computer to be like, did I make an order without knowing it? Because that's actually happened to me once where I, I thought I was saving an order for the future and I put an order in on accident. Uh. And because, you know, I'm, I'm a tech genius and I'm really awesome at computers. Um, <laughs> but so I actually got up and I was looking and then I was looking for the phone number because I became enraged when you became a, a fool. And <laughs> so I was I was hell bent on calling customer service and letting them know that whoever is dealing with these these issues needs to be dealt with appropriately. We were rushing to reach you because I know you're very efficient. And I was like, Sarah is going to have those people on the phone within like two minutes. That's why I had to get you on Slack. (laughs) Well, and that's good because I was ignoring Billy's phone calls. He was calling me directly, text messaging me. And I kept hitting no because I was like, I I need to get this taken care of. Like, I'm not waiting. Because then my next set of phone calls was going to be to cancel all of my credit cards again. (laughs) See, I'm glad we caught you. All right. Well, Sarah, (laughs) you've been punked and uh, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) It was fun, guys. Have a good Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. (laughs) I think that went well. I I thought it was lovely. You know, so I'm a serial pranker. I used to prank everybody all the time. Yeah. You didn't know this about me. No, I didn't. You don't seem nearly yeah. cl- you don't seem nearly clever enough to be a serial pranker. I used to call my friend who owned a cupcake shop and place orders on her voicemail that were <laughs> absurd. And she would get so excited. She'd call back and be like, "Yes, Mr. blah blah blah." And I'd be like and then she'd find out and she was so upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what's uh, next on the agenda? Oh, Donald Trump. We've yeah. been, we wanted to talk about Donald Trump. Do you want to do that now or do you want to do the interview and then we'll talk Donald Trump at the end? 
Uh, let's do Trump now. Okay. So what about Trump? <clears throat> have you been keeping up uh, with the Donald while you've been while you've been out on your spectacular on your have I what on your about Donald kept up with Donald Trump? Of have course. You, I'm like uh, while you've been on your out on your spectacular and huge and great wonderful the Donald Trump versus Megyn Kelly battle was like my favorite part of paternity. So leave. annoying. That whole fight was so annoying. The whole well, what? Tell um, me where you stand on this because that's what I want to know. On which? Um, I'm 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 Donald and that whole thing and Megyn Kelly. Whose side are you on? I am. Let's see. I think that I think that Donald is an interesting character. I think that he has been fun to watch as somebody who just observes politics and writes about it and reads about it all the time. Um, I think he has been uh, in, in. He has been fun. I think that um, he is not helpful to the conservative movement because he's not conservative. All of the attention that he brings to the Republicans, the conservative Republicans in this debate, uh, is is countered by his clownishness. So there's that to, to contend with. I think that I think that um, I think that the Fox News guys had an agenda going into that debate. I thought the I thought the overall debate was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I doesn't mean it was newsworthy, but I enjoyed it as a as political theater. I enjoyed it. What I what I thought as far as claiming that you are incredible journalists after the fact, I think is um, a little bit pompous for one, which is what Kelly did. Uh, Megan Kelly did, but also they went in there with an agenda to at least make news with Trump. That their whole goal as Fox News, as those hosts, was we need a bunch of sound bites that we can use, especially if they're Trump, where he's being outrageous, and that's what they wanted, and it's what they got. I well, didn't they also say we're not going to allow him to like you know, fly, you know, basically we're not going to allow him to just do whatever he wants. We're going to make sure he stays in line before the did. debate ever happened. And he did, and he did for the most part, and that's good. If people ought to know, we're going to stay in line. We're not going to. Let you just flout the rules and those sort of but things. But they specifically cited Trump. Well, because Trump's a known flouter of rules. He doesn't. Right. But I also think, you know, look, I mean, let's not forget that Trump wasn't Trump a contributor to Fox. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So still... it's just it's an interesting dynamic. And I think, look, at the, the comment about that appeared to be about Megyn Kelly after, I think, crossed the line a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think that the and yeah, but also made the point that Megyn Kelly was trying to make with her question in the first place, which was, you know what I mean, like this whole question of do you now look? We've had people in office who have done who have been accused of far worse things than saying the things that Donald Trump has said. Yes. Now here's here's where I stand on the whole on the overall on the big picture of this, and it's it's a piece that's on Hot Air by a guy named Leon Wolf, and let me just read you the first. Three paragraphs of this. Imagine the following scenario. In the first Democratic primary, now this isn't going to actually happen, but imagine the following scenario. In the first Democratic primary presidential debate, Hillary Clinton is asked a series of unexpectedly blistering questions from moderator Wolf Blitzer. Imagine that Hillary walked in expecting a series of cakewalk questions and instead got peppered on Benghazi, her email server, her tenure at state, the racial overtones of her 2008 campaign, even the absurd lies she has told over the years, like being named after Sir Edmund Hillary. Imagine in this, in this hypothetical scenario that, that Hillary spent the next several days on the campaign trail lashing out at CNN and Wolf Blitzer personally, including a series of increasingly personal and tasteless attacks on Blitzer and vowing to never go on the network again. Imagine that after four days of this treatment, CNN President Jeff Zucker picked up the phone and called Hillary and that both sides announced afterward a truce had been reached. Then following this, imagine that Hillary was given several primetime hours covering two days with Anderson Cooper in which she could 
answered nothing but softball questions and was allowed to give her full uninterrupted policy vision for the country. How do you suppose the conservative blogs would respond to CNN in this factual scenario? And, and so uh, he, he's obviously talking about Fox and he says later, maybe it's time to confront the 800 pound gorilla in this particular room, which is that right leaning news outlets and blogs are no longer capable of, or interested in keeping Fox news accountable for any sense of the word in any sense of the word at all. Institutionally, it would be, it would seem that Fox news has successfully cowed virtually all major conservative outlets from criticizing it in any way. And that is my overall view of, I mean, he has summarized how I feel as far as the overall view of the interaction between Fox and Trump on this little dust up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it (laughs) just got a really funny text message from Sarah uh, about her physical reaction to our call. That was very honest um, (laughs) and hilarious. Uh, Anyway, I will not share it. But yeah, no, I think you're right. And I also I, I think that. One of the really nice things about all of this and the positive things is that more people are paying attention, it would seem, yeah. than normally do. The depressing part is that, like everything else, this has b- sort of been Kim Kardashianized a little bit. Yep. And at some point, which I guess is fine at this point, sometimes I think the candidate, everybody takes themselves so seriously right now, and they should, they're running for president, but let's face it. The polls mean nothing right now. Nobody right. nobody is going to vote for the person who's at the top of the polls right now. They never do. It always changes. Um, and I think even the news of Al Gore allegedly considering jumping in is is evidence that things could even change a little bit on the Democratic side right. with email gate continuing to go on. So I guess my point is, you know, th- there's some positives and negatives to this. But at the end of the day, I guess it is nice to have a little bit of lighthearted banter back and forth on it. At some point, that changes, though, right? And we move into a serious phase, and that'll be coming soon. And I think that the poll—and you're right, the polls don't matter as far as if they're going to move other people to support somebody. I really don't think that they will at this point in the game. However, the the interesting thing about the polls and what they—it's what they are showing, and they are a snapshot of where the country is right—excuse me, right now— and something like 25 to 30 percent of conservatives of, of Republicans. Listen, the Republican primaries is decided, you know, by the establishment because of who they're going to support and who they're going to throw money to, but also by the base. The base is largely who votes in a primary. So and there you go, right? And so a huge swath of the Repu- of the Republican Party is supporting, you know, Donald Trump. That doesn't mean that they're going to in the future, but right now that's where they are. And it's like, can you not see? what's wrong here? And that's the, that was the big fight between um, Ann Coulter and uh, Charles Cook last night or the other night on, on was it on Hannity? Or Cook was, yeah, on Hannity. And, or Cook was challenging Coulter and Hannity. Like, how have we gotten to the point that you are supporting, you two who are supposed to be big voices of the right are supporting Donald Trump, right? And I get the emotional side of it because it's fun to see him giving the middle finger to everybody he dislikes or disagrees with. But at the same time, it's like, that's not presidential. And that's not how we have had seven years of that already. We have a president who gives the finger to the American people and to Congress. We don't need another one. Well, I think that really the bigger issue here is that there's something missing in politics. And this is showing us that what's missing in politics is honesty and truth. And it's been missing forever, but it's gotten much worse. And I think what people and this has been said a million times, what people crave with Trump is sort of exactly what you just said. They crave the candid nature of somebody just saying whatever it is they think that they really believe, even if that might be absurd at moments or seem absurd, being honest and truthful. And candidates don't do that. 
What is fascinating about it is that Trump has said some very interesting things, and he's been able to capture a lot of support. Yep. And so in my mind, it almost should send a message to some politicians that maybe we can enter a new era. I think Obama has done this a little bit, um, and, and he's done it by going on all the, which I actually don't love, going on all the evening shows, going on all the you know, comedy shows, going right. on the entire circuit, going on The View. All of those things he does to pander to people, but there's also a barrier that's knocked down for better or for worse between the president and the people. And I think, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, we need to find a balance, I think, where presidents are more presidential than I think Obama has been at moments, right. but are also, um, you know, able to speak a truth maybe, and, and candidates yeah. in particular, a truth that we're, we don't generally see in politics. Yeah, There's got to be a middle ground. And I agree. And, and and the thing about Donald Trump is he comes across as truthful. I don't know that he believes a thing that he's saying, you know, or if he believes even half of it. Or, or That's or, a good point. Or, and no, so that's a good point. We assume he's being truthful because of the fact that we like the fact that he's sticking the finger in the eye of people that we don't like. So we've, we right. have, he, he's, he's mocking the people we love to mock. So he must be telling the truth. Well, no, he, maybe he just figured out who it is you like to mock and goes, you know what, if I mock these people, then these other people will support me. So I think that there's something to think about there. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it, he is seemingly honest, you know, though not necessarily honest. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. So we got an interview coming up. Remind me what it is. Cause you recorded it. So this is Nicole Weider, Weider, Nicole Weider. Weider. Sorry, she Weider. was a model. Um, she moved to Hollywood to be a model and an actress years ago, about ten years ago, and ended up leaving it all behind. She became a Christian. Um, just found herself totally jaded in the modeling world, and uh, ended up starting this website for young women, uh, teenagers in particular. And it has exploded. It's got a huge following. I think it's one of the biggest uh, websites for teenage girls, right. faith-based websites for teenage girls out there. And her whole life has changed, and she's devoted her life to this. And it's just sort of a fascinating, uh, intriguing story. She also, coincidentally, has taken on Cosmo magazine in the past. Right. We had that interview with Victoria Hearst right. not too long ago. Um, and and Victoria Hearst sort of picked up some of the work that Nicole had done right. in the past. So we spoke with Nicole about all that. And uh, I guess we'll air that for you here on The Church Boys. Okay, so we'll be, we're gonna, we will uh, get to that here in just a moment. Uh, when we get back from the break, we'll talk to you later. Just a minute. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. All right, so Billy teased a great interview that's coming up, um, and he did all that work and all that teasing, and then I made him take a quick break just so we could kind of get back on track. And anyway, so we're going to go ahead and do that interview for you now. We hope you enjoy it. It's Billy Hollowell here on The Church Boys, and I'm here with Nicole Weeder, who has had a really fascinating journey. She is the founder of projectinspired.com. She's a former model and actress. She's also an author, and we're going to talk a little bit about her new book. But I want to welcome you to the show, Nicole. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. I'm I'm intrigued to hear your story. I've read a lot about um, your story in the past, and I'm just, I guess we'll just jump right in on sort of your, your four-way four into you know, Hollywood into acting and modeling and into that into that whole world. You were you were pretty young when you went to Hollywood. You were what sixteen? Yeah. So t I guess tell me a little bit about what interested you in modeling and acting and, and how you and how you ended up getting there. From a young age, I always loved um, you know performing, and I would always put on dance recitals for you know my friends and family and. 
I, from a young age, I knew I wanted to perform, and I always loved being in front of the camera. And I started booking some pretty big modeling jobs in Portland, Oregon. And I know it's kind of, you know, a smaller, you know, smaller city. But after booking a lot of jobs, I was thinking, you know, I'm having success in Oregon. I wonder what I can do, you know, in Hollywood. And so I convinced my mom and family to move down here to Los Angeles when I was 16. And I, you know, I wasn't ready for how competitive it really was. And my agent at the time was like, you know, you're tall enough, but your hips are too wide. I want you to stop playing volleyball. Um, I want you to start, you know, you know, watching everything you eat. She told me that my skin wasn't clear enough. Um, she wanted to fix my scar on my forehead. And, you know, she was just kind of taking me apart. But I had moved and uprooted my family down here to Los Angeles. And so I wasn't sure exactly how to make it work, but I was, you know, I was kind of desperate. And when I turned 18 after high school, she said, you know, Nicole, unfortunately, no matter how skinny you are, your body type is never going to be for high fashion, but you can do swimsuit and lingerie work. And I was kind of disappointed at first, obviously, because that really limited my options. But, you know, I was in a desperate situation and I needed to make money because Los Angeles is expensive. And I was like, okay, you know what, I have to do this. So... I started booking some lingerie jobs, and I was in some catalogs, and um, I was in Maxim Magazine, and I, it was kind of, it made me feel really embarrassed being on set wearing just a bra and underwear, and I thought that it would be some glamorous, you know, um, you know, event, and I just, I felt really degraded having the photographer tell me to, like, stick my tusks out, and, you know, it just was really embarrassing. Were other... I wanted to, I just want to jump in and ask you, so like with the Maxim shoot, were there other models who were sort of feeling the same way? Like, did you guys, did you ever interact with other people? I'm always interested in that because a lot of people say they, they feel that way and you wonder, you know, do, did you guys communicate about that? Did you talk about the uncomfortableness of, of it while it was happening? No. And it's so interesting because the other models who were there that day, they really separated us um, individually. And they had me shoot in a different area than the other girl would shoot. And so we never really saw each other. Um, so I didn't exactly know what they felt at the time. But it was a really competitive um, environment, though, because you would kind of see the model walk by. And they were kind of, you know, very cold. And it wasn't a friendly atmosphere. And so you just wanted to kind of outdo what they were doing and shoot hotter pictures and so it wasn't like a friendly environment. And that's, I would say, the case for all of the modeling jobs and the castings that I went to. Um, it was not like, oh, let's lean on each other type of thing. It was like, no, I'm you know, more beautiful. I'm going to get this job. I'm more willing to do whatever it takes. And so you get into a desperate situation, and it's just really unhealthy. And what what was the pressure like as you, I mean you're in your upper teens you're you're growing up still what was the pressure like overall as you continued to try to you know make it big in the industry The pressure was on so many aspects of my life I mean like I said I thought for some reason that I didn't need to go to college to or I didn't need a backup plan because I was dead set on you know I'm going to make it as a model I don't need to you know continue my schooling and so it was my life choices from, you know, having no other options to having um, having to just, you know, force myself to just get skinnier and lose more weight. And um, it was pressure on my appearance, on my life, on my money. It was just, it was a lot of work. And 
it was really unhealthy and you know when they wouldn't give us the option to shoot with certain photographers and I haven't even really touched on this subject but when I was shooting with photographers you know they were well known I admired them because they had shot bigger supermodels and I always wanted to make them happy but it was so gross because on set they would always hit on hit on me and afterward they would ask me to go out for drinks and it just was really almost unprofessional but you can't really say anything to your agent because they don't really care you know they just want you to have good pictures and so I just I felt like I had to I don't know I, I it was just so gross like because they would hit on me and it made me feel really uncomfortable well yeah and then also you want to get hired again and if you say anything yeah. you know you're probably afraid that you're not going to be hired again what did you notice about other people? Because I know I've read about, um, I've read your bio, and I've seen how you know you you part you saw the partying, you were around people in Hollywood who um, were big names. You know what was what went through your head as you experienced some of that? Because I think a lot of young people, you watch MTV, you watch television, you see what's going on in magazines, and it just looks so amazing. And you have and there's fame and there's money. What were some of the things you saw firsthand as you experienced some of that? Oh my gosh, I should write a book just about my experiences and what I saw in Hollywood. Um, so I saw up close and personal celebrities doing drugs, doing cocaine, um, staying up all night. You know, I wasn't perfect. I definitely made a lot of mistakes and I was partying, you know, right there with them. Um, and, you know, the celebrities would have house parties and they would go all night long. And like I said, they would do drugs and they would offer them to people and you know, it just, it seemed glamorous at the time. And I, you know, I did make a lot of mistakes and I thought that partying and getting to know these celebrities would help my own name. And I thought being associated with some of them, it would help me. But ultimately it just becomes this unhealthy cycle that you just keep going out at night. And then I started not taking care of myself and my body. And I was just, I was drinking and it just was really bad because the Hollywood lifestyle seems glamorous, but up close and personal, a lot of the celebrities are really miserable, and they're really, you know, alone, and they hang out with all these people who encourage them to do bad things, and no one really tells them no, and, you know, you have these celebrities, you know, men who hit on you, and, you know, you're flattered at first, and I dated a couple actors, and but it was always a secret, because they were like, don't tell anyone, you know. They would, they would always want me to come to their house. It was very private. And so I saw all of these things that were just, it seemed fun at first. But then when I came back home and I really reflected and over time, I was just thinking, this is really bad. Like, I don't want to be in, in this environment. So when you were 23, that was when things seemed to change for you. And you found yourself pretty depressed. And, and that was after years of, of being sort of in this industry. And um, tell me tell me a little bit about what motivated that decision to finally say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be a part of it. It's not worth it. So it was, two, it was a culmination of a lot of events. But I would say there were two specific incidents that made me realize I don't want this for my life anymore. The first one was, when I was a body double for Victoria's Secret, I was basically a stand-in for them while they were getting ready. And I, you know, they're so beautiful in person, but, you know, I went up to one of the main models and I, told, I complimented her on her hair. I was saying, you know, I love your hair. And she goes, oh, Nicole, these are hair extensions. And she, like, bent forward to, like, show me. And so that was kind of interesting. And then while they were all taking a break, one of the photographer's assistants was like, Nicole, do you want to come see what I'm lo- I'm working on? I was like, of course. 
so he showed me that he was retouching their pictures like pretty heavily like one of the models has a more pronounced nose and he was making her nose thinner and he was like getting rid of her freckles and elongating her neck and I was just thinking wow like I wonder if these models even know how much their pictures are retouched like it was just really I don't know interesting and so that kind of was a wake-up call you know I was like wow even these supermodels have pictures are so retouched and then it was um the Maxim job also I was in the magazine and I had the pictures come out on the internet and they were so I was so exposed and I wasn't ready for just how exposed I was and you know, on the set, I was wearing a tank top, and the photographer was like, roll up your tank top so we can see your stomach. And so it's like they wanted you to be sexier and sexier. And when I saw the pictures, I didn't want to show my mom or my family. and But here they were on the Internet for everyone to see when you Googled my name. And so I was just, just like, I can't do anything about this because they own the pictures. And so it was those two things that I just realized, you know, the modeling industry isn't what it's cracked up to be. I don't want to do it anymore. And so when I was 23 and I did, I decided not to do it, I kind of was like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Because here I was, I moved to Los Angeles for this, but I wasn't going to do it anymore. I didn't go to college. So I didn't know what to do. And so that led me to a depression. And it was then that I sort of discovered God and I, I decided that I needed to change my life. Was your family, because you didn't grow up in a, re, in a religious home, from, from what I know, was your family surprised by that? Yes. Um, my mom didn't understand it, and she said that I was becoming obsessed with God, actually, because I would go to Barnes & Noble, and not only with my Bible, but I would buy all of these Christian books, and she would actually take some of them from me. She was thinking, Nicole, you're getting a little obsessed with this. Like, she didn't <laughs> understand. Yeah, it was weird. She didn't understand. My family didn't understand, um, but over time, once I told her, you know, how much, I mean, she saw how my life was changing for the better, and I met my husband shortly afterward, and so she saw, like, the difference in my life once I did give my life to God, and so it's amazing because now I'm a light to my own family, and I'm encouraging them to give their life to Jesus, and so it's pretty cool. Now, how many years, how, how old are you now? How many years has it been since you left Hollywood? And, and then I want to talk about what you're doing now, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm 29, and so that was 23, 24, like six years. <laughs> um, so it's been, a, it's been, you know, a few years. Um, so, and my life is way better than I ever could have imagined. And if I would have stayed in Hollywood, I wouldn't be, you know, so blessed as I am today. So it's really amazing. Now you launched, you launched something called Project Inspired back, I think in 2010, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2010 and Project Inspired has become, from what I know, it's pretty much the biggest uh, place, the the largest place on the internet where where Christians, young Christian teen girls um, and young people go to read, to, to congregate, to talk about um, issues that they face. What, what was it that motivated you to create Project Inspired? So there were a few things that motivated me to create it, but the main thing was my newfound love for God and how he truly transformed my life for the better. And I've seen so many, you know, things. I went through some huge, you know, mistakes. And I, I you know, it was just, I wanted to share teen, with teen girls my life story and how, you know, how just unhealthy the Hollywood industry is because I've seen it personally. And so I wanted to warn girls about, you know, being disillusioned with how glamorous 
the Hollywood lifestyle may, may seem. And I wanted to, you know, tell them that they are worth more than how they look and not to compromise their values in order to date someone that, you know, doesn't treat them well. And, you know, because I went through a lot. And so I wanted to just share my testimony and share my mistakes and everything I went through to encourage young teen girls not to make the same mistakes as I did. Um, but at the same time, I wanted, because I was Googling all of these different Christian resources, and I didn't see a place that was focused on teen girls. And the one, the couple Christian sites that I did see, they only talked about God. Like, there was nothing else, really. And I know, as a woman, like, you care about a lot of things, like your fashion and how you look, and there's nothing wrong with caring about how you look and wearing makeup. And so I wanted to talk to them about boys and dating and purity and you know, the media, and so I wanted to have a place where it was like a lifestyle, play, you know, a lifestyle site where they can also encourage each other and communicate with each other through the message boards and um, stuff, yeah. And, you know, what have you, I mean, it's been a few years now since, since you launched this, what, what have you learned through it, and how many people do you have coming every month to the site? I have learned so much from these girls because I really communicate with them directly and that's another thing I wanted this site to be. I didn't want it to just be, you know, standoffish where I have no part in it. I really am very hands on. I communicate with them through Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and I learn so much about their lives. They really share everything with me and it's just it, it puts me in a position where it's kind of like I'm an older sister to them. So I want to help them with, with their lives. Um, and it's amazing because it's funny, when I when I first started it, I was so excited when we got, you know, a thousand visitors and then five thousand and now it's blown up. We have six hundred and fifty thousand visitors every month, which is really big for a Christian. No, that's huge. Site. I mean that's that's huge for yeah. I mean, for for any site, I think people would be happy with that many people coming. But yeah. but you know, your this niche that I think is really needed right now. I, that that's fascinating to me. Now, have you heard of anything on the on sort of the other side for for men for young boys? I I haven't seen a lot, but have you encountered any sites out there? No, and that's kind of a um, that's kind of sad because I have a couple teen boys who have reached out to me on Facebook and they've asked me, Nicole, is there a place where, you know, I can go to learn and get inspiration about? And so it makes me feel like a little bit like sad because there's a real void for young teen boys to to find out about God. So who knows, maybe in the future I can create a, a space where teenage boys can come to learn about God but also have support from one another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that no, and it's and it's interesting. But I do think when you talk about the messages and what you went through it definitely impacts boys too but but really women i think young women are really hit by so much more of the messaging and the photos and the images and let me ask you this because i feel like and and you can correct me if you think i'm wrong but i feel like in the last 5 years in the last 3 years in particular entertainment and media have taken a turn i mean it's almost like this light switch went off and it's gotten much worse than than I think it's been ever, and and I think back to like when I was, you know, and I'm not, I'm only, I'm 31, so I'm just a couple years older than you, but I think back to when I was watching the VMAs and you had Britney and Madonna and Christina, you know, that whole thing where they were kissing on stage, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that was edgy, but now it seems like edginess is everywhere. I mean, it just seems like it's impossible to escape it. 
what are what have you noticed about that trend and what concerns you about it and what are some of your thoughts so i feel i mean i'm i remember all of those things obviously but i think that's one of the hugest um you know turning points for all of these celebrities you know becoming more and more provocative and i feel like it's because of the advent of social media they are always trying to outdo one another you know through how many followers they have and how how they're covered in the, you know, the news. And I feel like all of the, you know, celebrities now are doing whatever, you know, they're just pushing the envelope as much and much as possible because, you know, people have done that and, you know, you have like Lady Gaga doing all of these things and then Miley Cyrus wanting to outdo that. And so I think with social media, they really want to just get as much attention as possible. And so by doing all of these you know, negative things, they're able to get more people to look at them and to pay attention to them. And also, I really think a big factor with um, the inappropriate content out there is because of YouTube also. I mean, when we had music videos on MTV, they were a lot more tame because it was on TV and I think there was a certain standard. But now with, with artists, you know, producing their own videos and putting them directly on YouTube where millions of people all around the world can see they just i feel like they they think they have more freedom which they they probably do and so to get the most views and to get the most comments they're just pushing the envelope more and more and you know just exposing every part of themselves and so i think youtube also has a big has been a big um factor in that and it's funny too because that whole debate with Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift about video of the year you know it's like laughable and you can kind of laugh at it but then you know I mean that Nicki Minaj video we were watching it in the newsroom one day because people had talked about how awful it was and I mean I was like whoa I couldn't even believe it was actually one of the worst things I had ever it was as far as you could go I felt like before you went off a cliff you know into so it's in the um what was that the Sir Mix-a-Lot remix oh, yeah. yeah that that remake anaconda, anaconda yeah exactly yeah. I, it, it was just like wow this is really you know it, it was just crazy. yeah yeah and then her defense yeah. of it talk you know how she was talking about how you need to sort of get edgier and edgier and it's like well is that what's good i mean in your work do you see do you see girls responding? I mean, how do how do young girls respond to that when they're seeing it all around them, especially girls who care about God and who are trying to be pure? Um, it's really hard on you know women in general, but especially Christian Christian girls who are trying to you know be in the world but not really take part in it. But a thing is, is the thing that's kind of sad is that you know even if they choose not to watch it, I mean, it's like everywhere. And then it gets shared on Facebook, and then, you know, another artist will talk about it. And so with YouTube, like I said, they can, it's just so easy to just click on it really quickly and just see it, as opposed to when we were growing up, MTV, you had to watch MTV at a certain time to catch the music videos, you know? But now it's like you just go on a website really quick and click on it. And so it's everywhere. It's, it's, I, I mean, it's everywhere through Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. So it's like, no matter where you turn, it's like in your face. And so I feel like it's a lot harder for the for girls and teens to turn away from it, whereas before it was easier. Yeah, no, absolutely. And well, I've I've taken a lot of your time here, so I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions. One of them, one of them is about your new book, Project Inspired: Tips and Tricks for St- Staying True to Who You Are. Can you tell me a little bit about 
that book, what you're hoping young people take away from it? Yeah, so I'm so excited about this book. Basically, um, it's parts of my story, of my testimony, and how I was a model, and all of the pressures I faced in that industry, like I shared with you. And, um, you know, it's amazing, because ever since I gave my life to God, I had all these God incidences. They're like coincidences, but I call them that. And so I share some of those huge things that happened in my life in the book. Um, But also, since I, I have such a, you know, relationship with these girls and I communicate with them directly in the book I cover all of the issues that they asked me about from depression to you know dating jerks and how what to look for in a a spouse because I get that I mean girls are like how did you meet your husband and what qualities were you looking for and so I cover all of those things that questions that they they asked me so yeah. That's great. That's great. And uh, we'll make sure we link out to the to the book, which comes out August fourth, right? Yeah. So you're just about a week away. That's that's exciting. And I know I'm so excited. If people wanna, if there are people out there who wanna get more involved in your ministry, Project Inspired, uh, what's the what's the best way to to reach you? What's the best way to do that? So if they want, I mean, they can obviously come to the website. Um, it's really cool because we accept articles from people who submit articles, and so we publish them on the site if they are a writer. Um, but if they just come to the Facebook page and ask me a question or follow me on Instagram, I respond to almost every comment because I just I, that's my heart. I care about them so much, and so they can communicate with me through social media. That's great. Well, listen, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. We definitely want to have you back. And I think, you know, there's, there's so many times I need a voice like yours for stories. So I'll be reaching out to you now and, uh, and, and having you as a source. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much. It's my, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate it. And now, back to the church All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the segment that everybody is clamoring for every week. It's a fairly newish segment, and um, so here we go. It is now time for Billy Hallowell's Outrage of the Week. Well, you know, here in America, we have another baker uh, who has been told that he may not cite his religious beliefs in his uh, decision to not make a cake for a gay couple. I don't understand how we continue to have this discussion, and it's almost like one side is completely and utterly unable to understand how religious conviction could drive somebody to make a decision based on their faith in a kind-hearted and pleasant way that you know they may not like, but they just can't respect. It's, it's insane to me that we have a judge telling this man, this is Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Bakery out in Colorado, that he cannot cite his beliefs as the oh. basis for a service, a denial of service for a gay couple. Um, you know, this is a guy, again, just like the other couple who we've interviewed numerous times, Melissa and Aaron Klein. This guy has said, look, I'm not going to turn gay people away. I just don't want to make gay wedding cakes. Right. And, um, you know, I just this discussion makes me crazy. Uh, but yet here we are with the second case. And this case is much further along in the courts than the Kle- the clients haven't even really gotten into court yet. It was right. all admi- administrative. Right. So this will be this will be a little bit interesting to watch because his case could be appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. So it's interesting that he can't cite his First Amendment rights, which is not only freedom of religion, he can't associate that. He actually also 
he actually also can't cite his freedom of association uh, rights within the First Amendment as far as this being involved in the wedding. I don't want to be involved in your wedding, right? Well, no, you have to be involved in the wedding, but I don't want to. And he's also, in the past, he has declined to make Halloween cakes and things like that because he has certain views on Halloween, which obviously right. in Christian circles, Halloween is like the thing I love to talk about. And we sh- as soon as Halloween comes, we have to have the best discussion and debate <laughs> about it because I think the Halloween debate makes me want to literally yes, just vomit and laugh at the same time, yeah. which I don't want to do because I think it would come out of my nose. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is we will have that discussion. Needless to say, he is he had chosen not to make Halloween cakes. And this is somebody who has acted according to what we know based on what he believes to be true right. in a kind way and is being met with courts that are telling him, no, you must take part. And look, it might sound silly. We've talked about this on the show before. It might sound silly. Maybe a lot of other Christians would make the cake, but this is his decision as a Christian that is pretty consistent with how he chooses to live. Why? Why are we having this debate still? Right. I don't I don't understand. Right. And it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if it's cakes or photography or if you're, you know, or anything else. If I don't want to associate with you, with you, I shouldn't have to associate with you. And that's just that's just it. I mean, reg- and and he's not saying he doesn't want to associate with gay people. He doesn't want to be a part of the wedding. He doesn't associate with the wedding, with the celebration. And so it, it's a freedom of association thing, dude. It's not just a freedom of religion. But it's also association. It's a whole bunch of other things. So anyway. okay. So when Westboro Baptist Church wants to have. Um, a lesbian baker make their cake for right. their fourteenth annual I Hate America rally. Right. Uh, you know what? Make Maybe that it. baker doesn't want to make it. Maybe oh, they no, don't they, want to be a part no, of that must, event. They must. They must make it, Billy. Don't you understand? Well, it, guess what? What if a Christian baker doesn't want to make the Westboro fourteenth nope, annual I Hate America and I'm they an idiot must, cake? They must. They're required to. I just think that this is crazy. It, we've gone so far over the rails on this, forcing people into do something that they do not feel is right, right, based on thousands of years of, of what was historically accepted. This has nothing to do with whether you support gay marriage or you don't. It ha- you, Chris is smiling because he loves when I go on these rants. It has to do with common sense and not forcing people into things that they don't want to be a part of. I'm just reading Twitter. Go ahead, Chris. I was reading Twitter while you were talking. Sorry, um, I wasn't focused. I thought you were actually enjoying what I was saying. Uh, oh, no, I was enjoying that, too. I can do two things at once. I, can barely I don't do that. But... I barely, oh, sorry, phone's ringing. Just a second. Um, I, don't I think she's over at mom. Understand. Chris's phone's ringing. I wonder who he's talking to. It sounds very serious. I don't know if you can hear it from oh, here, okay. but I know she was hanging up some posters. Something about hanging up posters. Oh, okay. uh, something about the Antichrist. I can't quite. Okay. I think he just. I think Chris just said she might be. She might be in the pool right now. Yeah. Somebody is so, in the pool. I'm not sure who. So call mom. He's not, missing as in you're really going to be sad you're not there or that you're not. <laughs> Chris is missing something inside of his pool. Okay. That's what's happening. <laughs> I wonder if this is Clarice calling from. Oh, to man. talk with Chris about oh, his that's order. Sh- that's a shame. <laughs> his order of hemlock, wintergreen, and fennel. I'm pretty sure Chris would order some okay, of the well, I, spot I, I appreciate that. But I'm that. not entirely sure. Here. Definitely have. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely. <laughs> Is anybody else wondering <laughs> what's happening? Okay. 
All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Sorry. Boys, all you young broadcasters out there, boys and girls, this is how you do a professional show. <laughs> that was my pastor calling, looking for my wife because she's church secretary and he can't find her. But She's apparently a, in the pool from what we've gathered. Well, she, my folks have a pool, so she's over there with the kids right now. Don't worry. I had and, some uh, running commentary but Friday is, while you were... This, this time, I, oh, no, I, heard, I had one headphone on. I could hear you the whole time, so I... <laughs> Just trying to keep a straight face while I was talking to him. Uh, but um, anyway, so it was anyway dealing with church stuff. And Friday's her day off, but something arrived at the church for her for some promotional thing. Anyway, sorry about that. But ladies and gentlemen, that's that. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you do two things at once. You take a personal phone call while providing while, while professionally producing a, a Blaze radio show. All right. So on that happy note, um, what were Read we Read your Bibles. <laughs> You didn't lose track at all. I'm totally flustered right now. <laughs> well, he'll, he's a, uh, the funny thing. My pastor is a big fan of our show, so he'll 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 get a little kick out of that. Wait, he listens to this? Oh yeah, yeah. I almost said he listens to this garbage. <laughs> he does listen to this garbage. Um, hello, right. pastor. Hello. I'm sorry that about Chris Field in general. I'm sorry. I hope you're not buying the hemlock for him. <laughs> okay. Mm. It's so stupid. Okay. <laughs> you already said read your Bible. I'll say read your blaze and then we're going to get the heck out of here. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before I say bye, <laughs> this is me what? being professional. I meant to add here at the, end of, at the end of this, my wife and I just celebrated our anniversary. So happy anniversary, honey. I know you'll never hear this, but at least I've said it. Now I can say that I did. Right. Happy 82nd. 80... Oh, my birthday's coming up too, by the way. Talk to you later. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> the church boy.